shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Welcome to episode number 21 of the Adventures in Tech Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Dan. And we are your hosts. We're excited you are here with us along this journey. As always, if you like the content, please help us out by providing feedback and a rating on wherever you download your podcast from. We greatly appreciate your support. Before we get into classroom updates and everything, we are going to have part two of our interview session uh, with Matt Miller uh, in straight relation to his uh, book, Tech Like a Pirate. So I'm uh, looking forward to that, Dan. And exciting news, a little bit of a teaser, there will be a part three. Yes, there uh, will be. Of Matt Miller, and uh, it's going to kind of wrap up all of Matt Miller, maybe, as almost as a present, let's say, right? <laughs> Delivered to you with a bow. There you go. So uh, we will get to that as well. Um, before we get to classroom updates, I know a lot of people are liking our Would You Rather. So, Dan, here it is. I know what I would say. Would you rather write a 10-page paper or give a 10-minute presentation? Oh, I would absolutely give a 10-minute presentation. Of course you would, because all we do is talk. That's so it, it makes it simple. You and I, that's it. We did it. Off the rails. And 10 minutes could go by super fast. So I'm with you on that one. All righty. I don't, can't really go down that uh, off the rails on that anymore, but yeah, I'm not going to write a 10-page paper. Even if I went like 50 font, double space, space and a half, double, whatever. Anyways, so uh, classroom updates, it is a busy time. I uh, hope everybody had a restful, uh, you know, time off. The spring weather's here, kids' sports schedules, just, you know, dad life, hashtag dad life, things there going on. Dan's running 1,000 miles a day. No, I'm just kidding. Um, classroom updates, Dan, we got a lot going on. Yeah, we do have a lot going on, and it's coming a lot in a short amount. Fast and furious. Fast and furious. Um, short amount of time, um, but we're going to keep rolling along with things, and always, basically everything we're doing um, is with the idea of kids creating original content um, in order to demonstrate understanding and also to demonstrate the skills that they're learning. So, you know, whatever we're embarking on, we're keeping that PBL focus in mind, that design thinking and incorporating original thought and choice into whatever we're doing. So I think that is overall encompassing everything we're moving into the classrooms. And I'd say it's really steamrolling forward. It is. There's a culture that's happening that's exciting to be a part of. It's a big shift specifically within our district. People are uh, adopting it and uh, adapting their pedagogy to it, and it's it's what's best for kids. So that's really important in my mind, in our minds, in, in everybody's mind. They're seeing now we're getting back to more sense of normalcy Absolutely. and moving forward. And, and this, this project that we really have going on is huge. I don't want to tackle it today because no, it's a that, lot That could to be talk an episode about. in itself. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, thinking about that in mind and, and how we're utilizing that technology in order to achieve those ends in the classroom, you know, we, we just had our spring break. Yep. And so some of us traveled. Some of us travel experiences were better than other people's <laughs> travel experiences, but we'll just leave that Where there. Is Chevy Chase right now. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, you know, I had a chance uh, travel with the family and we were in Texas. And got to go to NASA, yeah, which was really cool. I've been to Cape Canaveral before, but never to Houston. And took an interesting uh, tour of the Astronaut Training Center mm -hmm. down there at uh, the Space Center. And, you know, the one thing that came to mind is as we were going through it and looking at everything, I'm like, this is a giant makerspace. Yeah. I'm like, everything was, you know, had different 
areas and people were, we were watching them work. Someone was sewing. Don't know what they were sewing. I'm sure it was something important, but you know, even my wife said it to me like, it just looks like a giant maker space. And it just made me look at, you know, what we're really trying to do in designing these classroom spaces so kids have that opportunity to make original content. I think it, it, it has its value. I mean, you see all the science, the engineering, the math, everything in, in that one area where people were collaboratively just building and tinkering and making right there at NASA. You know, and what's interesting about that, as you say that, is that's the real world application right. that our students will be, you know, moving into at some point in their education, after their educational careers. So seeing that it's happening in real life now, just imagine our youngest learners in the district, what it's going to look like as they embark and get to that point. Mm -hmm. So, And they also had the first... 3D printed car there. That was cool. You'd show me the pictures. That was really cool. I, I, I thought the seats may be a bit uncomfortable. I, I need my lumbar support. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm glad you had a good trip. That's great. Uh, and, and it's great to see where things are going, uh, you know, in the uh, corporate world, so to speak, uh, as we move forward. So let's go to the weekly windup. Uh, again, Google Meet. Google always updating. There's additional improvements for Google Meet and two new improvements, which one of them I really like because as you know, what Dan and I deal with is someone's in a meeting, not in a meeting, so on and so forth. And we're seeing that, you know, uh, at time, time from time that's happening. One of the improvements is it's now prompting the user to exit the meetings when you're the only person in a meeting. So uh, basically, after two minutes, it's going to end the call. So if you walk away from your computer, it'll automatically end it. So again, it'll help your bandwidth with your mm -hmm. Wi-Fi. And that is, uh, that's on by default, and it's uh, coming out, it uh, should be uh, any day now. Rapid release is a gradual rollout, started April uh, 11th, and then everybody else should be, as of April uh, 18th, it should be good. So you should be seeing that if it says... Get out of the meeting. Now you'll know why. And there's also one additional update. There's host management and controls update. Okay. So currently host and co-host controls can be found in multiple locations in a meet. Right. Um, for a more user intuitive experiences, all those have been consolidated into one single central location under the host controls menu. So it should make it easier for you to manage your meeting settings by reducing the need to switch between various menus. Awesome. So, again, Google keeps uh, continually evolving and changing and, and uh, making their products better as, uh, you know, we stay in this environment. And, you know, one of the good things that we've always said is come out of the pandemic is the uh, availability to meet virtually and not have to always be in person. We love being in person, but, you know, sometimes those meetings can mm -hmm. be held virtually and, and they continually evolve and, and really hit that space. Uh, I want to talk about ScreenPal. So um, we've talked about Screencast-O-Matic before which is very similar to Screencastify, right? Um, so ScreenPal is, uh, the, the difference is, uh, you get five minutes free, right? Same thing. But it's video where you type. Mm -hmm. And it's a new, it's a Chrome extension, so it's only going to work in Chrome browsers. So if you're using Edge or Safari or whatnot, it's not going to work. But basically, it allows you to create those quick, authentic video messages, and you can record these videos from any text box or comment field in your favorite browser-based apps and then share them. So less typing, fewer meetings, better communication. You get to say it with ScreenPal, okay? And it's free, free 99. We love that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can use it. Um, a lot of people are like, well, what's the difference between that and Screencastify is the, it's the fact that it goes into the comment boxes or the text box. Right. And, so, you know, it's a cool thing. It's kind of like Moat in that regard. It is. Um, to a degree. 
where you know Moat would give you that audio feedback. You can give video feedback into that comment. Um, I, I use video feedback a lot in comments if I, my feedback wants to demonstrate something. So Screencastify works well too. You can just record your, your Screencastify video and then put the link to it in the comments as well. Right. And any tool, so ScreenPal is new and it's got to be the right tool. You have mm-hmm. to use what works best for you. But if ScreenPal is something that you're kind of interested in, definitely try it out. It's right. free. Um, the one thing when I did mess with it uh, a little bit, it's very similar to Moat, like you were saying, is the the little icon comes up on top of the Moat icon. Oh, So uh, we did send the feedback for them to kind of just let them know that it's, you know, because you want to be able to use your audio at times. You want to be able to use your Mm -hmm. video uh, as we want to be more effective in everything that we do. So uh, we did send it so then hopefully it gets moved a little bit to the left, right, up, down, whichever. So ScreenPal, uh, if you want to leave a a quick reteaching video, GIF, whatever, uh, something to check out. Okay, moving on. Go ahead, Dan. No. Uh, just looking at the uh, next update, more Google stuff coming. I think we mentioned it before that practice sets were coming. Um, they are coming, and they'll give students real-time help as part of uh, an adaptive learning push. So I think what we're looking at now is something that we, we looked at last year. Yep. Um, and I, I can see we were looking at something in particular last year, and we can see how that's being involved. But they're really using AI yeah. um, in order to gather um, as much information as they can to make some um, more personalized learning experiences for students. Yeah, and the thing I like about it is, you know, they have an example, and we'll post it in the show notes with uh, algebra homework, and then it's able to, if you're making a mistake, it's using that AI to kind of, you know, direct you to a video or, uh, you know, some kind of help uh, forum that will allow the student who may not have the support systems or structure mm-hmm. at home to be able to solve the homework. And again, it's in beta. They are kind of testing it out right now. But the fact that the students can get that real-time feedback on answers so they know whether they're on the right track before they complete the whole assignment, do it wrong, get, you know, to that level of frustration, that in-the-moment help is key, and it will help uh, the students hopefully be successful with their homework. And again, it's in beta. It is, I did want to mention, it's only for those paid versions right. of Google. So the teaching and learning upgrade and then education plus. So just kind of sum it up. Google is leveraging AI to help kids get more personal learning experience. So it's going to be coming in the couple months. Um, Google Classroom is getting what's called practice sets feature. Yep. Um, practice sets are created by each teacher. They're kind of like an interactive assignment, um, but one where the students will get real-time feedback on answers so they know whether they're on the right track. So it's that in-that-moment help that Andrew said. So, like, if students stuck on a problem, instead of growing frustrated, they'll receive automatically a helpful hint or video that gives you exactly what you need to kind of unblock you and, and help you along the way. That's it. So uh, something definitely to to look forward to. I would say full rollout would hopefully be for the next uh, school year uh, if it's in beta now. Hopefully, it will uh, be out in full rollout by September of 2022. The next one, Dan, we love sheets. We love spreadsheets, right? 10 million cells. Or (laughs) 10,000. What was it? I think it was 10 million. I I think you're right. (laughs) That's a lot of cells. (laughs) Anyways, I love the fact now that it's got intelligent corrections for formulas in Google Sheets. Yeah, that's great. So that's great when it, you know, last year they did launch the formula suggestions as you start to type into a Google Sheet, which will recommend the formula for those specific cells based on the the data that you are analyzing. So now uh, Google updated to you can write formulas faster and with higher confidence when it automatically has the formula correction. Mm-hmm. So again, 
building off that AI, uh, these intelligent contexts where corrections will help uh, users improve and troubleshoot many different kinds of formulas, uh, whether it's missing cells, locking ranges. Right. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch, and it's automatically free for everyone, and you should be seeing it any day now. And and I like this because this is going to become helpful. So as we're working in spreadsheets, we may know like the the right formula to use, but often like where we put the parentheses and the quotation marks to get the right cells in to do things. Um, often becomes a little tricky, so this should help along the way, at least putting you in the right format. Uh, lastly, as we uh, wrap up the weekly windup, uh, we did have uh, some basic uh, updates from Google Workspace. One is now they're doing Japanese grammar suggestions for Gmail for our ELL, so that could af- absolutely help uh, as you're uh, communicating with uh, some of those ELL parents and family members. Um, the, the big one I just wanted to talk about was the smart reply in Google Slides. Yeah. You know, we know it came in Docs, and it would always have those quick responses, but now it's also in Google Slides as you're replying to comments. Uh, in those slide decks, it'll automatically uh, reply, uh, come through in English on the bottom there. Excellent. All right, so we are up to part two of uh, our Matt Miller interview of uh, Tech Like a Pirate. I want to say ditch, like, uh, ditch That Textbook, but that is one of his books. But we want to just uh, finish this conversation regarding Tech Like a Pirate. Uh, and Matt's that book came out right as the pandemic hit. So it's really uh, valuable uh, of the information he was able to tell us. So uh, any other thoughts, Dan? Nope, just enjoy this. Yeah, enjoy it. Here's Matt Miller, part two. I was going to ask, I know that every year we have the Ditch Summit in December. Yes. And, you know, can you just tell everybody, because you're obviously going to be able to put it in better words than I ever could about the Ditch <laughs> Summit, uh, so that, you know, they can come. It's usually like mid-December. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. Um, sign up. Yeah, I've I've done that elevator pitch a number of times by now. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the Ditch Summit... Uh, the long name of it is the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. It's a free online conference for teachers. And Eileen knows what I'm talking about. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so a free online conference. And what I do every year, been doing this since 2016, I think. And every year, I come up with nine presentations. Um, and by presentation, I mean it's like 45 minutes plus or minus we do kind of like a Q&A interview style. And I am usually throughout the entire year, I have my antennas up trying to find interesting people to have on the summit and um, try to get a wide variety of topics. You know, we do techie stuff and Google stuff. We do creativity. We do, you know, inquiry and design thinking. We do, I mean, just all, all sorts of stuff. Um uh, we did a whole bunch of stuff on uh, social emotional learning and teacher wellness one time. Um, so, and basically, you know, it's these nine presentations. We release them one uh, day by day by day, one presentation for nine days until they're all out there. And then I leave them up for about two or three weeks over Christmas break. Um, I know for a lot of people, like that's a time when they have some flexibility. Sometimes <laughs> there are other people that are like, uh, uh-uh. that's the, like the busiest time. That's the worst time, but you got to pick some time to do it. So we leave them open there for a little while. And, um, it's been a blast. We've had, I mean, I think last year we had 20,000 people sign up for it from around the world. Um, and so, uh, you can get, uh, certificates of completion for professional development credit 
and uh, you get to interact with a lot of the presenters on Twitter if you do Twitter and everything. And so it's been a lot of fun. And we've had some really interesting people like, um, <clears throat> like for instance, if any of you remember the kid president videos on YouTube, <laughs> you all remember the kid president? Yeah. Um, one of the creators of that, Brad Montague, was on one of the summit presentations. It was him and um, the kid president and himself was his brother, Robbie. So it was him and his brother that put all those kid president videos out. And so uh, I got to interview him for 45 minutes. Um, one of my favorite authors, I'm going to see, I think I've got, yeah. Um, one of my favorite authors is Austin Cleon, who wrote Steal Like an Artist, Keep Going. There's another one called Show Your Work. Anyway, he was on it. Um, there's a guy, uh, there's a book called Atomic Habits, written by a guy named James Clear. Um, James Clear, uh, his book, Atomic Habits, has like been near the top of the Amazon bestseller list. I mean, if you count like the top 100, it's been there. It was better. It ranked better last time the Ditch Summit came around. Um, it ranked higher than Barack Obama's autobiography. If that's telling you something, you know. Um, early days when he released that book, I reached out to him to see if he would be on it and I got to interview him. So I got... 45 minutes of face-to-face -face time with James Clear, which was, see, it's sort of like self-serving in some ways when you think about it, because <laughs> I get to talk to all of these amazing people and ask them personal, you know, questions that I'm personally curious about, um, all in, you know, in service of the people who are watching, of course, you know, that's one of my big goals is to think, what are my, what are, what are the people watching this thinking? What do, what do I think their questions are? And I get to ask those questions of all the people. So um, we have more than 60 presentations. So as soon as the summit goes live, like you get access to all of those. And I try to make the, the topics as interesting as possible. So um, if you're interested in checking it out, you can go to, I'm gonna drop this in the chat real quick. Awesome. Um, you can go to ditchsummit.com to get signed up for email updates so that you don't miss it. Or if you're already on my email newsletter, um, I'll notify you through there. By the way, if you're not on my email newsletter, that's where I put all of my best stuff out and where you get it like first. Yeah, so tomorrow, um, tomorrow morning, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I just mentioned that it's usually Wednesdays or Thursdays. It's Wednesdays if I have my act together and it's Thursdays if I don't. And this week it's on a Thursday because <laughs> I didn't I didn't get it all done uh, today. But um, yeah, in fact, tomorrow, like I was saying, nobody else in the world except for you all knows that I'm going to be uh, posting that one post on um, how to, you know, if you liked Zoom chat through remote learning, here are some alternatives to doing it. I know that's not like super, super exciting, but if you're curious about that, that post comes out tomorrow. I'm still yeah. writing it actually. We're going to tweet it out. Don't you worry, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll tag you in it. No worries on that. So yeah, yeah. moving forward, obviously, you know, we were talking about the virtual and the pandemic and everything, you know, mm -hmm. are a lot of your speaking engagements. I mean, we know the conferences are starting to kind of slowly shift back to being in person. Right. Uh, we have a big one here in New York State mm -hmm. that'll be happening in uh, November. They're saying they're calling that Better Together, but I think they're going to give two components, nice. a virtual component and then obviously uh, an in-person oh. component. When you go to districts and everything like Is that. that nice skate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice skate. Are you coming? Yeah. Cool. I've heard good things about it. No, I've, I've heard good things about it, but I, I haven't been invited or anything. Oh, I think we're going to have to make some phone calls. We'll get Art on that for, for you. So. All right. <laughs> 
But uh, are you seeing that you're, you know, a lot more districts are having you come out to, uh, you know, to, to speak for conference days come in August, September? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so in 2000, okay, so um, I've done for the last uh, three or four years, I've done dozens of professional development days at schools or at conferences, like every year. Uh, 2020, uh, January was normal. February was starting to be normal. I remember I did a pre I did the um, Utah State Ed Tech Conference. I delivered their their keynote, and um, it was like right after that things started slamming shut and canceling. And after that, I did two more in-person presentations for the rest of 2020, which is like a lot less than I'm, I'm used to. Uh, I did one in Wyoming in November. And then the craziest thing was I did one in June when everybody was still sort of freaking out about the pandemic. And it was in Texas. And I was like, okay, uh, the Texans are kind of cowboys that are going to do what they want to do. And so they took all the precautions and everything. And I think everything, I don't think anybody got sick at all turned out. Okay. But, um, but now in, uh, 2021, um, Usually the summer is when it's crazy for me. I'll go and, you know, speak at like, you know, 10 or 11 school districts or conferences in June and the same in August. And I've got a bunch of stuff. I'm looking at my calendar right now. I've got one, two, three, four, five virtual days in June and three in-person days in June. And mm. then in August, it's a lot of virtual stuff too. So like little by little, some of the face-to-face -face stuff is coming back. Um, yeah, but I mean, that, that that's kind of that's kind of the same with the rest of the world too. You yeah. know, like little by little face-to-face -face stuff on everything is starting to come back. So yeah, it's, it's definitely slowly coming back, thankfully. Awesome, good to hear. Uh, Dan, you got some more questions? Because I know I've uh, asked Matt a ton. I know, and I'm just, um, I'm wondering if we wanted to, to roll with it and open it up to questions. I'm yeah. looking at the, the giant pack. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That, that people have with, with some fantastic questions here, and, and I want to make sure that they get an opportunity to go forward. So I don't know if you'd rather have me read them off the Padlet, or uh, do we just want to put them in the chat or unmute the mic and go from there? I'm not sure what people are comfortable with. Whatever everybody's comfortable with. Anybody want to talk to Matt? Now's your chance. Feel Let's give to... it a nice 10 or 15 seconds of awkward silence and see if anybody <laughs> wants to unmute their mic. And if not, then maybe we'll go to the Padlet. I'm okay when you're reading them off the Padlet, Dan. She, she, she unmuted to tell us that. Yes, right? she could. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. That works. Um, so so I'll, I'll just go through it and, and I'll read some of them off the Padlet. Um, so, you know, we have some, we have a few questions that kind of come along the, the same idea and it's thinking, uh, about in a space where each student does not have a device to utilize, how do we ensure equity with regard to technology? Yeah. Um, that's, I, that's a good question when not every student has access to a device. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've got a variety of different ways that we can do that. I've seen, you know, teachers circulate students through stations and that's a way to get them access to it. There's, you know, if we, um, if we set up different activities that students, you know, like if you have 
three or four groups and one of them does one thing one day and one of them does another one. I mean, whenever you kind of like circulate through in that way, if you do group work or whatever, that does start to get everybody access. Um, I think that the answer to that as far as making sure that there's equity, if the answer is to not use technology at all, so as not to mess that up, I think is getting rid of a great resource. Like I would, I would rather do my best to try to provide technology infused lessons and try to make it as equitable as possible, learn from my mistakes and get better at it than to say, I'm afraid that I'm going to create an inequitable situation completely. So I'm not going to do it at all, but that's just my, that's just my take on it. But I do think, um, you know, obviously in some ways, a one-to-one -one environment, whenever you're in the school building is about as equitable as it gets, because you've got, everybody has the same device and has the same internet bandwidth and all of that. So, you know, in some ways, as far as I can tell anyway, that's that, but of course not everybody has that, that situation. So, um, you know, I, I would like to think this is just me, but like, I would like to think that if we're as mindful as we can be about it and we do our best, then, you know, that's, that's the, that's the best way to go. I don't know. That was just my answer off the top of my head. I don't know if that's even the right answer, but that's, that's my take on it anyway. Thanks so much. Um, here, here's one, uh, which educational tech trend do you think is overrated, a fad or not like, not as likely to last as many other think it will? Oh, I love this question. This you is great. Too. Cause a, a lot of people, yeah. Cause people sometimes are like, what is the coolest app? What is the hot new trend that everybody needs to get on? And I'm not real big on the hot new app or the cutting edge or the new trends or anything. So, um, I'll get, I'll just give you a couple of them off the top of my head. I think, um, a lot of people like to talk about augmented and virtual reality right now. I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think we're going to be there for a while. That's just me prognosticating. Okay. That's just, that's just me. But, um, I don't think the, um, technology is there yet and the ability to use the apps and the public awareness and all of that stuff. Like I don't see augmented reality being a big thing for a little while at least. So that's, that's definitely one of them. What's another one? Um, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's usually the one that I come back to is augmented and virtual reality. Cause I see, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff. Um, I know for instance, um, this is just a, this is just a personal one. And if somebody does this and uses it and has great success with it, then I applaud you. Um, I see people talk about using sandbox style apps like Minecraft. And whenever somebody does it really, really well, I think, oh, that is so cool. But I also think about all of the time that it takes to build those worlds and trying to figure out like, you know, for me as a world languages teacher, it was repetitions. Can I get more and more and more repetitions in the target language, you know? And um, if I've got students building Minecraft worlds to create a world where you can interact in the target language, that's a lot of time where I'm not getting those repetitions. But again, it sort of depends on your goals, you know, like what, what you're trying to do. And so anyway, those are, those are a couple of them. Um, 
as far as I'll, I'll tell you, I'll flip the script a little bit and I'll give you one of them that I'm very bullish on. Um, and that is uh, short videos. You know, we were talking about TikTok earlier. Uh, I think there's a lot we can learn as educators if we go on TikTok because it's max 60 second videos. And I'll tell you what, most of the very well performing videos on TikTok are not 60 seconds. Um, so if we're able to do, you know, like um, sometimes we talk about the tools that you can use in the classroom to create video, teachers creating video, students creating video. And with some, sometimes I talk about them. And one of the first things people ask me about is how long can you make the videos? And I think if you want to know how long you can make the videos, you might be using the tool in the wrong way. Forgive me if I'm overstating that, but I think, you know, if you're asking, you know, how long will it make videos? Well, it's got a max of 10 minutes. Oh, that's not long enough. And I go, I don't <laughs> want to watch videos longer than 10 minutes. Usually I don't want to. There are exceptions, of course. If you're making instructional videos, your students don't want to watch 10 minute videos. <laughs> Very if true. you can make videos where, you know, when it shows the amount of time, like four minutes and 52 seconds is four colon five, two. If you can change that four and turn it to a zero, if there's a zero before the colon, then you're on the right track. If you want to make 10 minutes of video, you better make 10 one minute videos, you know, um, starting and stopping, starting and stopping, figuring out ways to break it up. Um, you know, that, there are exceptions to every rule, of course, but I think if we can start to go in that direction, like that's where it's Snapchat has short videos. TikTok has short videos. YouTube has longer videos, but there are a lot of short videos. Um, video is powerful. Um, there's lots and lots of statistics that say that video is the future and is really the present in a lot of ways. Um, if we can do those little ones, I think that's that's really big. And I'm also super bullish on students making those little videos to show what they know too. So anyway, but that's not the question that you asked me. So I better shut up and wait for the next question. <laughs> now that was fantastic because you answered about four other questions. Oh, just, yes. Awesome. Yes, you no, did. I'm just going to let you go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, th there is a question. Um, people are looking for uh, tips for creating equal opportunities for high, low, and, and ENL learners in a collaborative activity. Can you say that one more time? Sure. Um, tips for creating equal opportunities for high, low, and ENL learners in a collaborative activity. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what we're really talking about here is differentiated instruction, sort of, right? I mean, like, how can we differentiate, not necessarily for um, academic ability, but also for, you know, uh, language, uh, you know, the different levels of languages and, and all of that. Um, you know, I think it goes back to, forgive me if this is too simple of an answer, but I think it goes back to what someone said in the chat. I'm going to shout them out as soon as I find it. Nicole, Nicole said student choice. I think it goes back to that. Um, you know, giving students opportunities to, I, and this may be a crazy idea, but I've also read some things where I think our perception of it is different than reality sometimes. Here's where I'm going to go with this. If we give students the opportunity sometimes to self-select what level they do or what activity they choose, you know, a lot of times our fear is, Oh, they're just going to pick the easiest thing. Oh, they're just going to pick the thing that's going to take the least amount of time. 
Not always. You know, if we give them the opportunity to pick, you know, here's some stuff that's on, on different levels, um, you know, pick something that's going to challenge you. Um, it's the, it, it goes back to that idea of, of flow. I don't know if you all have read about or heard about the, the flow state. Um, I think the, the guy's name, it's like Mahali, Che Mahali. Uh, he, he did all this research about the flow state, which is when, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like when, um, when your brain is kind of performing at its peak, it's like when you're, you're performing in sports and the entire world gets quiet and all of a sudden you're focused in, you know, it's like whenever, um, you're working on a craft or a kid's playing a video game or something and the rest of the world disappears and they're all totally focused in on that. And then they look up and two hours have gone by. To get to that flow state, you have to have a balance of um, challenge. So there's got to be like the right level of, um, well, I guess that's basically what it is, like the right level of challenge. If it's too easy, then forget it. I'm not interested in doing it after a while. If it's too hard, I get frustrated and I quit. But if it's in that spot, um, you know, it's like the, where where your level is plus one. So it's like if you can go one level above where you are and give kids the opportunity to do that, that's where things get interesting. Every kid has been frustrated by being given things that are multiple levels above their ability, and they've been bored and rolling their eyes for things that were way below. But if you can self-select in that spot, sometimes you hit that flow state. And I think sometimes we don't give kids the benefit of self-selecting to that spot or maybe helping them uh, self-select. John said, when given the right choice, so many students naturally self-differentiate. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you, John. And I think that if that became the norm in a class or let's go big and think an entire school, um, you know, if that became like part of the culture was I, as a learner, I can look at myself and figure out which option is best for me. And I go there. I start to take ownership of my own learning in that way. Um, I think that's one way anyway, that, um, ah, and Jocelyn found the Ted talk. It, that, that's exactly the author that I was, that I was going for the flow state. Um, that is fascinating. His, um, topic, it, it says flow, the secret to happiness. Um, and I probably totally butchered the pronunciation of his name because it's really hard to say <laughs> right, so, don't worry about it so it's right. right yeah yeah exactly so anyway i don't have great great answers to that but that's one thing i've read some stuff about i've heard some people talk about that i think is super cool um that i would love to see more people at least thinking about interesting that, we'll do one more yeah one more um i think we'll go with uh, i think this would be a good way so common traps what are common traps or pitfalls for aspiring tech pirates? Oh, common traps. Okay. Um, let's see. You know, actually, I'm not going to say the answer is in the book, but I am going to say that there is an entire chapter in here where I write letters to you all about certain challenges that you may have. You know, like if you lose your momentum or if you don't feel like you're a creative person or you don't think you're techie or you feel overwhelmed, like I kind of talk and some of those are traps, I think. But um, I'm going to talk about the one big one that I have struggled with myself. 
Uh, and that is to not make the first thing the, the first thing. And what I mean by that is so many times in my own teaching career, I have gotten shiny thing syndrome and I've looked at the new cool app or the new cool website. I'll go on Twitter and I'll see people talking about, it. I'll go, Oh, that's pretty cool. I've got to, I've got to find a way to use that. And so I'll find that app and then I'll find a way to make it a part of the um, lesson. And it doesn't always necessarily fit. And it definitely, in many cases, has not served the learning objectives. If my goal is for kids to do certain things, I'm trying to, I mean, it's like, you know, the the square peg in the round hole, you know, it's like um, trying to find a way. Um, it's almost like, I may have even used this analogy in the book. It's almost like, um, you know, somebody who's a woodworker, man, I compare teaching to woodworking a lot. I like to build things with wood. So it, it makes sense in my brain, at least. It's like a woodworker going, hmm, I got this hammer. I just got this new hammer. Man, is this thing shiny? What can I build with a hammer? And asking yourself, what can I build with a hammer is the most ridiculous question until you start to ask, what can I teach with Flipgrid? And when you start to ask that question, that's where things get dicey. And so I like to answer that trap, since we're talking about traps here, I like to answer that trap by still looking at it like a woodworker. Because you see, if you're a woodworker, you're not looking for ways that you, what you can build with a hammer. You're figuring out what project you want to do. And then once you've got in mind what that project is, you're going to go into your toolbox and you're going to pull out the tools that you need. And so what do we do in that case? We build up our toolbox. We get all of those tools that we need. We get hammers, we get chisels, we get awls, we get sanders, we get um, planers, we get all of those things on our workbench. And then whenever we have in mind what the project is, we think, what are the logical tools that I need to create that? It's just the analogy plays so nicely over to teaching, I think. Like, what is it that we want students to learn? Well, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the different amendments to the Constitution, and I want to have a really good discussion. Okay, that's great. That's the project. What tools allow us to have really good discussions? Oh, well, in that case, um, you know, there's this audio program called Synth, where you can record, uh, if you want to do this in audio anyway, where you can record audio messages and then people can reply to your audio messages with an audio message. And then they can reply to a reply with an audio message and it keeps everything nested together so it feels like a conversation. If we want to have an asynchronous discussion, that's going to help us discuss those amendments. That maybe is the tool that I need. You know, the same as you know, I'm going to need this certain tool to build something with wood. So I think that's one of the big traps is to think, and I know it, whenever you talk about technology in the classroom, it feels like this is one of the big things that people talk about. Don't get the technology ahead of the learning. Don't think, don't go in terms of tools. The tools aren't as important as the learning, blah, blah, blah. But like, I still feel like that analogy sort of empowers us in a way to know how to do it right. So that, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully that's helpful. That's that's the big trap I think that that a lot of us fall into. That was fantastic. All coming back down to backwards design. And yes, I it is. Say 
I just want to say how amazing it was that you made the analogy of a woodworker, because I know that the person who asked the question is a woodworker. Is a woodworker. No way! Get out for real. My head yeah. is going. My goodness, what is happening right now? World colliding. World. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that's that's so cool. And by the way, to give you a receipt to prove that I actually am a woodworker, this bookshelf behind me, my dad and I made when I was going into college, and I've had it ever since. And so now it's back here. I'm trying to see if there's anything else right now. You're just going to have to take my word for it on that one. So <laughs> that's so cool. How about that? That was great. Right, that person, the person will tweet at you that they're they're a woodworker. So you're good, like, good. So that's, able to that's cool. I want to wrap this up, Matt. I, we can't thank you enough for you know your your knowledge and and all the foresight you put into the book. We we greatly appreciate it. What a great interview with with Matt Miller, Dan. I, I that guy's awesome. He is. I definitely appreciate his time and and having you know the chance to to have conversations with him. Yeah, he always has a lot of valuable insight, always sharing, as we had mentioned in the mm -hmm. interview. Uh, and as we had mentioned uh, prior to uh, the uh, interview with Matt, part three is coming. So stay tuned for that. Again, if you uh, want some swag, yeah, hit the sticker request. Hit the sticker request. We'll get you a sticker. Once again, thank you for all your support. Listen on all the platforms, leaving us those reviews. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out to us. Tech hard, work smart, live in adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.